As we continue, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, and it reads as follows. James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and that endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let us pray. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of having your word. We thank you that you loved us so much that you left your word for us to better know you, to develop an intimate relationship with you, to understand what you expect of us, Father God, and what you have for us. And we thank you, Father, that it is here for us to read, for us to study, for us to meditate, for us to enjoy. This morning, may your, our teacher, God, the Holy Spirit, take full control of this meeting, of the words that I speak. May they go forth, Father God, and bring forth and accomplish the purpose for which you have sent them. And may, through this entire time, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we want to conclude our study on the topic of trials. We want to come to an end. But before we begin, I want to, to say, this, this is an interesting text. And the text we're going to look at this morning is even more interesting. It says in James 1, 9, 9 through 12, which is the passage we're going to be looking at, the conclusion of trials, but the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres in the trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, I know as I read that passage, some of you wondered, how in the world does that fit into the topic of trials? Humble circumstances, glory in your high position. What does scorching sun and scorching wind and withering grass have to do with trials? And when I read this originally, I remember, believe it or not, 
This is a passage that Pastor Lee had a study. Can I say years ago, Pastor Lee? Years ago in Telios when we were doing Bible study methods. And I'd actually forgotten what I had learned. But when I had to prepare, and in preparation for this message, in studying the book of James, it was amazing. When you look at this text, this text, James did not drop this in here. This was not an accident. This was not just a mistake, or James was writing along, and a thought popped in his head. He said, oh, let me, let me mention the rich and the poor. No, this was placed here with purpose. And we need to look at the previous verses to be able to gain an appreciation of what is being said here. Remember the last time I spoke, we talked about James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, where he said, If any lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man. And then he continues on, but the brother of humble circumstance. You see, we're continuing on with the topic of trials. And as we're talking about trials, we were talking about the wisdom, what we need to be able to accurately deal with and address trials when they come. He was talking about the wisdom previously that was necessary that you could ask God for, that God would not hold back. He gives to you generously that when you, when you find yourself in the midst of a testing or a trial, God is going to give you the wisdom that you ask for to be able to accurately deal with that trial. And he says you need to be a person who acts in faith. You can't be doubting. You can't be wavering back and forth. You must know exactly what you're asking, and trust God that he will provide. As James looks at this passage, verses 9 through 11, we're looking at James doing what he said, or what we discussed earlier. When we talked about the book of James, we said James is like the book of Proverbs. He makes a statement, and then he gives an example or an illustration. Verses 9 through 11 are an illustration of some of the trials that you can encounter based on your situation. And the two situations that James outlines at this time were persons who were poor and persons who were rich. Now some of you would probably say the persons who are poor may be the ones who are the trials. But believe it or not, persons who are rich are engaged or have trials as well. Wealth can and does bring trials along with it. And this is what James elaborates on in this particular portion of the test. These are two areas where the greatest trials can come. The area of poverty and the area of wealth. In the area of poverty, a person who is, doesn't have the financial resources, is challenged and struggling, has a tendency in that trial to pity himself. Woe is me. Poor me. Look at me. Look at the circumstance that I'm in. What about me? And James says, but there is a solution. The person who is in poverty ought to look and glory in his high Position. And we're going to explain what that means later. The person who is rich 
he ought to look and glory in his humiliation. Because that person who is prosperous, who is rich, can have a tendency for pride. There was a man who was very wealthy, very famous in scripture. He made a statement. Look at the great Babylon that I have built. Wealth can bring pride. And there are other cases in scripture where we are admonished as believers to be careful when it comes to money. Because the love of money could be the what? Root of all evil. We've got to be careful. And so the persons who are prosperous have to be careful. But the, the, the solution James gives or the wise approach is to what? Glory in their humiliation. Now let's go a little further into that. And I hope you understand where it fits in to James and his discussion on the topic of trials. It wasn't just dropped in there. James placed that there for us to get an illustration and an understanding that this is another example of trials and how we are to, in wisdom, respond to them. He says, the brother of humble circumstance is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass, he will pass away. These two verses go together as they note two areas where the greatest trials can occur, but also give the wise solution. We see the trial and we, and we see a single-minded man's response. Remember he talked about earlier. You can't, don't be a double-minded man. You need to be single-minded, focused on your response. The poor man. This is a man who is materially poor. This is not a man who is poor spiritually. This is physical poverty. This is a man who is challenged with finances, who is challenged with, with maybe difficulty on the job, house, whatever. This is a material poverty. And this man is challenged. And this man also has a difficulty with trials. This man in, is in comparison to the rich man. And we must understand that there is this comparison. And this poor man is also what? According to the text, he is a believer. Believers can be poor. I know we hear about the health and wealth and prosperity doctrines that are constantly taught that we as believers cannot, should not be. But this text says, and it speaks specifically, it says, but the brother of humble circumstance, the poor man can be tempted. Tempted to respond in an unwise way in the midst of his trial. Poor me. Why are you not pitying me? As a result of his response, he responds, the situation, he responds incorrectly. How does he deal with it? He may choose to lie to get out of the situation. He may choose to steal. He may get angry with God or even get angry with those who have wealth. They have it. I don't. Why don't I? Doesn't God love me? Doesn't he care about me? And now his response is not just to hate God, but he also hates his fellow brother who may be blessed. But scripture says this man, this poor man, should glory. His wise response, his single-minded response should be to rejoice in his high position. What high position? What high position could a, a poor man have? He is to rejoice in his high position. And this act of rejoicing, 
according to the text, is a command. You are told from Scripture as a person who may not be well off to rejoice and glory in your high position. What high position? The fact that we are, according to Romans 8.17, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so we may also be glorified with him. Yes, on this earth, you may not have the financial resources. And you may be challenged to respond in an unwise, an unbiblical, an ungodly way. But God is telling you, yes, you may not have the financial resources. You may not be able to look at the things that others possess. But you have something to glory in. You can glory in who you are in Christ. Your lofty position, the word of God says in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he may show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. Wealth, money, material possessions, compared to who I am in Christ? I may be poor. I may not have a dollar to my name. But as a believer, as a child of God, I am rich where it counts. I am rich in heavenly places. And so he tells that poor man, yes, it may be difficult. It may be challenging. It may be trying. It may be testing. But the overcoming, endure under those trials. Endure, persevere. And as you are enduring, look, recognize, and glory in who you are in Christ. You are exalted. You have a high position. And so James, again, is giving us an illustration of how to accurately address trials. Now we look at the rich, the poor man, and we say, okay, that makes sense. The poor fellow. But what about the rich guy? I mean, he's got it made. He's got what he needs. You don't need to be looking at God and being glorified. No. But James says, this man has his own trials that he's going through. He has his own challenges. And see, we look at the rich and we feel, yeah, what trials? What, how much, how much um, things to buy? Where to spend their money? Challenge as to what TV, what um, 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 car to buy? These are the challenges they face? But no, no. But I want you to understand something as well. It says, the rich man may be rich in material things. He is materially wealthy. But another point I want you to understand. When you look at this text, this text is also speaking to the rich man as a brother. Now as you look at the text in the New American or the King James, it doesn't say brother. But when you read it, in the original language, it reads as follows. Let me find my, my place. Thank you. The rich brother is tempted. He is tried. But the verse says, But let the lowly brother boast in the exaltation of him. That's what that verse says. Verse 9. Let the lowly brother 
boast in the exaltation of him. It takes out all the little other words. And then it says, and the rich one in in the humiliation of him. Listen to what it reads. Let the lowly brother boast in the exaltation of him and the rich one in the humiliation of him. I believe the way this is phrased, it is referencing the rich man also as a brother. Believe it or not, rich people can be Christians too. Now some of us don't believe that. I, I, I don't know why. But rich people can be Christians too. And if you look at scripture, one of the things it talked about when I was doing a study, if you look at the church when it first was formed, remember now, they were rich and they were poor. And what they said, they sold their things and they had all things in common and they shared. At that time, the rich persons did not hold back their wealth. So yes, we have this money, but we recognize that this funds, this money, the wealth that I have is not for me, just for me to enjoy, but for me to share with my fellow brothers in Christ. And so in the early church, that was their practice. Put it in common, share it. And so we have rich brothers. And I believe this is speaking to the rich, a rich brother, a well-off Christian brother. Because remember now, when you look at this text, there were no verses when this was originally written. That separation of verses 8 and 9 wasn't there. And you read it straight across. The rich brother could be tempted. And how so? He could be tempted to be proud. He could be tempted to be arrogant, powerful, using his wealth as a means and lording it over individuals. He can even feel, wait a minute, I'm wealthy? You're poor? I'm better than you. He could feel like, wow, look at me. It's all about me. And he has, there's that possibility of temptation. You may say, but is that an approach that a Christian brother, and that perspective that a Christian brother should have? No. So even a Christian rich man can be, and I believe is tempted. I believe if you speak to those individuals who are well off, you will, you, if they are honest with themselves, they will tell you there is that temptation. What do I need God for? What can God do for me that my money can't do for me? Do you know what I, I, I worked hard for this. Look what I've done. And this is the result of my labor. And there is a temptation for a rich man to get caught and allow the trials of his riches to draw him away from God. But the text says, the text text says, the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. The rich man, humiliated? How so? He is to recognize if not for God's grace. Understand, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not as a result of works, so that no one is able to boast. This rich man needs to recognize it is because of God's grace that he is in the family of God. Not because of the riches that he has, but because of the grace 
of God. He also is to recognize, according to 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on uncertainty of riches. And he'll clarify that in, in the text. But on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. This rich man needs to recognize, listen, the wealth that he has is only for a time. This wealth that he has comes from God. He is to fix not his hope on the uncertainty of riches, but to humble himself and recognize, but on God who richly supplies all things. God has given this to the rich man, not the works that he has done. It says in Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, says the Lord. This rich man has nothing to boast in but for the grace of God. He needs to humble himself. And he has to be humble because that is the only way. He has to bow his knee just like the poor man. He has to bow his knee and he will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. No matter how much riches he has, no matter how much wealth he has, just like every one of us, he himself must come to the foot of the cross and seek the forgiveness for sin. He needs to humble himself. The rich brother recognizes, as the text states, him, his riches, and all that it brings will fade away and pass away. All that he will have at the end is Christ and all that he has now is from God. Everything he has now is from God and at the end of the day, all he will have is Christ. It says in, in James 1, 10 and 11, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass, he will pass away. He's not going to be here forever. His riches will not last forever. What he has as a result of his riches will not last forever. The sun is going to rise with the scorching wind and it's going to wither the grass. It's going to wither the results of his riches. It's going to wither the beauty that he has, the wealth. All that he has as a result of his riches is going to fade away. That sun is going to rise with his scorching heat, wind. Wither the grass and its flower is going to fall off. The beauty of its appearance is going to be destroyed. And so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. This too, all that riches, it will pass. And at the end of the day, if he is a child of God, all he will have left is Christ. And he needs to recognize that, acknowledge that, bend the knee to that now. Humble himself and recognize, but for God's grace. Rich 
or poor, we will be tried. But the wise approach, the man who is not double-minded, the single-minded man, focuses attention on God. If he's poor, his exaltation in Christ. And if he's rich, his humility in Christ. Rich or poor. That is how we are to handle these trials. Do not allow riches to be your distraction from what you have in Christ. Ask God to give you wisdom, which is this, in this case is to keep your eyes on what you have because of Christ alone. Both riches and poverty provide the opportunity for trials. We are to respond in both cases with godly wisdom. James 3.17 says, and we spoke on this before, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. So in our trials, that is how we are to respond. We are to respond with godly wisdom. But James continues on. And as he brings his passage to a close, he said, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. And there we go back. That, that, that. You mean I got to stay under? Be back to that again. Got to stay under. When the weight of the trial bears down on you, it says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. Remember, trials are never meant to break you. They're never meant for you to fall and to fail. They are meant by God, as we studied earlier in the passage, to build you up. The trying of your faith worketh patience. And if you let patience have its perfect work, you will be complete, mature, lacking nothing. He continues on as he wraps it up. He says, let me, let me, let me wrap it up for you. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trials. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This man is blessed. He's fortunate. Blessed and happy is the man who perseveres, who patiently endures, who remains under, who holds out, who stands firm, who puts up under the trials and the testing. This man is happy. Scripture is amazing. I, I, I say that. How is that? How is that possible? But for God to be happy when you come in contact with trials, when you are bearing up under, but he says that man is blessed. Why? Because once he has been approved, once he has stood the test, once, as a subject to the assessment, he has been deemed satisfactory. He has been accepted. Once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So God is telling you through James, listen, be happy, endure, persevere, hold out under, patiently endure, because I have something for you. God has in store for us a crown of life. Now, I must be honest with you. I studied that crown of life. I do not know what it is. 
I don't. What is it? But brethren, if God has it for us, it's got to be good. That's just my opinion. It's got to be good. He says he has a crown of life for us. Because once we have been approved, once we have stood up under the test, we receive this crown. This crown of life is a reward that we receive for perseverance. He confirms it again in Revelation 2.10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death. Persevere. And I will give you the crown of life. Trials come. Persevere. Matthew 5, 10, 12 says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Be glad. Why? For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. We have a reward. We endure. We persevere. He has a reward for us. As we close, at the end of it all, the conclusion of the matter. What are we to do when trials come our way? Wrapping up James chapter 1 verses 2 through 12, what are we to do? What have we learned is our biblical response when we meet up with various trials. Once again, I remind you now, not to rejoice in, but when we Meet up with. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials. He says, first of all, consider it all joy. Consider it joy. The first thing, consider it joy when you encounter these trials. When you encounter these testings, consider it joy. It is an opportunity. It is a good thing, not a bad thing. It is an opportunity for you. To what? Let endurance have its perfect result. When you meet up at trials and you rejoice and you consider it joy, you are to let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When you meet up with these trials, endure so that you can be matured. Let it have its work. And in the process, if you wonder, Lord, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to meet up with this challenge, this trial, this testing? What am I going to do? God says, listen, ask me. When we meet those circumstances, God says, ask me for the wisdom. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give it to you generously. Buckets, what you need. Generously. And I'm not going to hold back. Generously. Ask, in wisdom, ask for wisdom. But when you ask, ask in faith. Can't be doubting. You've got to believe in what God says. 
is true, is true. If he says I ask in wisdom and he's going to give me the wisdom that I need to deal with the situation, I've got to believe that. I can't be a double-minded man. I've got to trust what he says is true. And if I'm poor or rich, I am to be single-minded and focus on Christ. And finally, I am to persevere, to patiently endure. And once approved, I receive a crown of life. Two promises in this passage. One, he says that we will be rewarded first if we endure, if we persevere, with maturity. Don't you want to be mature in Christ? Don't you want to know how to respond to situations and circumstances in a godly way, consistently and continually? Don't you want to grow up as a believer? If we deal with trials appropriately, we promise maturity. Here, and if we persevere under trials, and we deal with trials appropriately, we promise a reward there, a crown of life. Maturity, the crown of life. And finally, as I've said before, I don't want to belittle those individuals who are suffering. As I said, we don't consider the trial a joy, but we rejoice when we encounter it because we know what its purpose is. But I leave you with one final word of encouragement. I believe this is the, the cherry on top. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Ooh, hallelujah. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. This is small things. You know what God has for us? The glory that is to be revealed in us. So brethren, we can consider it joy. We can persevere. We can stay up under it. We have something to look forward to. This is small things. We have to see suffering through the spiritual lens of God and his word. And we have to see the bigger picture. We have to see our God at work now and in our future. Because he is faithful. He who has begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Christ. Next, we'll be looking at temptation. When we have the opportunity to share with you and I pray that you have been encouraged as we've gone through this passage on trials. I pray that as we deal with trials, and trials will come. As one author said, if you ain't encounter no trials, something wrong. Because if you believe a believer living right for God, they come in. But we can count it joy. We be with them. For his honor and for his glory. In Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We exalt and magnify your wonderful name and we thank you for your word, the truth 
of your word. Father, sometimes as we look at the situations in life, it's difficult, it's challenging. We may choose to respond in an unbiblical or ungodly way. But I pray, Father God, that when these trials come our way, and they will come, that we will pause and think and recognize it for what it is, an opportunity for maturity and someday as we persevere to receive our rewards, the crown of life. We want to bless and pray for the members of the incredible body of Christ gathered here at Calvary Bible Church. That Father God, we will go forth as shining lights, as examples of the truth of God's word. And persons would see Christ in us. They would see our good works, our biblical response to trials. And they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. Thank you again for this privilege and opportunity of spending time in your word. And may you continue to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.